Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season four, episode 19. Episode 19, What We Have Here, was written by Christopher Fife and directed by Karen Gaviola. It aired on April 28th, 2011. Enjoy! On today's episode, I am joined yet again by the Christina to my Meredith, the Ann Perkins to my Leslie Nope, the Lady Mary to my Lady Sybil, the Jessica Fletcher to my classic typewriter, my person. This is my big cousin, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Well, welcome back. Thank you. It's so fun to be back. <laughs> we haven't seen you since August. It feels like so much more recent than that, but we were looking and I was like, wow, you haven't been on since four, six. Yeah. The last six months basically flew by. (laughs) That's one way of saying it. (laughs) (laughs) So what else are you reading and watching right now? So right now I, I read a lot of books last year. I read almost 50. So I decided to slow it down a little bit this year because while it was fun to go through so many different stories, I felt like at times I was rushing through books and I want to really only read or listen when I am in the mood to rather than feeling like I have to because it's supposed to be a hobby or something for fun so I I'm scaling back this year um, but right now I'm listening to an audiobook actually it's called meet me in Monaco um, and it takes place around um, Grace Kelly's wedding ah. uh, in Monaco. And it is about um, a woman who owns her own perfume business and a photographer and a lot of different plot lines ensued from there. Fiction or nonfiction? I believe it's fiction, but based on a real event. So historical fiction, basically. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Any shows? I haven't been watching a lot of TV lately, um, but I am really excited for some shows that are coming out this year. I think last time I was on it, I talked about a book called Lessons in Chemistry. Sure did. Um, well, the series is coming out on Apple TV. Uh, I think it's this April, um, starring Brie Larson. So I'm definitely going to be watching that when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just saw, I think some music was released for Daisy Jones and the Six. I haven't listened yet. I listened to a little bit of it. It's really cool to see it come to life. So I'm definitely going to watch that on Prime, too. Oh, yeah. Where can we find you online if you want to be found? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My accounts are mostly private, but um, on Instagram, I am at KCB110. Sure are. So if you send her a request, if you're so inclined, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or the podcast and we'll just be like, Hey, Caitlin, you got a request coming. So she doesn't think you're like a bot or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So our patient breakdown for this week, we really only have one patient, which is Val Woodward, who is pregnant, has Burkitt's lymphoma and superior vena cava syndrome. We have first notes of miscellaneous per usual should have probably started with that. And then the three, plot lines that we're going to talk about that aren't really patients, really, but just are integral to the storyline. We're Katie Kent and the whole Violet thing. Billy Douglas, which is the Charlotte Cooper stuff. And then Addison. When we sat down, Caitlin goes, is that supposed to say Addison? And I said, (laughs) It's Addisam. And she goes, oh, did you just make that up? I said, I am not quite that clever. (laughs) (laughs) Their couple's name. What is your first note? So I had 
three that I kind of wrote down that immediately kind of stuck out to me, which was one, obviously the ultimatum between Addison and Sam about having a baby or breaking up. That is so extreme. I also noticed uh, kind of the argument a little bit or back and forth between Charlotte and Cooper about seating charts for weddings and finding the photo of her ex. And then I also, what really caught my attention was when Violet was served the papers for a lawsuit from Katie. Uh, So I knew about the Katie storyline a little bit, but not in great detail. So I was like, wait, Samantha, what is that? What is is happening? I don't remember. (laughs) What's going on? My first note is I happened to be in Santa Monica on Friday. And even though, as we've talked about many times, like I fully know that these people are not real. Like I get that on many levels. There's still some part of me that fully expected them to walk in to the door of the coffee shop that I was in. Like I was fully just waiting for Charlotte to come in, like order a little Cortado and go on her merry way. I love Cortados. <laughs> <laughs> I fully expected one of them to walk in. I was kept looking towards the door as if someone would come from my Oceanside Wellness friends and none of them did. You know why? Because they're not real people. The actors are, but you know what I mean. my second first note which is really my first first note the it wouldn't be a droid in 2010 droid drone oh my goodness the drone shot not droid we're not on tatooine the drone (laughs) shot over like the houses and the beach i'm pretty sure that was malibu and not santa monica yeah i didn't recognize that part of santa monica of that is what it, it was, but I, I, I think it was probably Malibu. Yeah. Because there was too much greenery right up behind the houses like that were on the beach. Yeah. And in Santa Monica... It's the, more commercial. Yeah, and, and the one is behind the houses that are on the beach. Yes. So it's, it's not all that greenery. You literally drive right behind them. Yeah. Did you notice that Addison had a Blackberry Curve... I didn't. In the elevator. I also had a had a Blackberry curve in pink, obviously. Um, but I I just noticed her, her curve and I loved it. It was actually probably like, oh, I don't want to get sued for libel, but like maybe the worst phone I've ever had. I'm really knock on whatever gentle with my phones, but I had six Blackberry curves in two years because they like kept breaking. Wow. I've never had a Blackberry, so I don't know. Yeah. I do miss my BBM. Blackberry Messenger. I do miss that. When they're in the kitchen at the office, did you see Addison pull out the big green juice? No. So when we started this podcast, I was like, I was like sure that she had a green juice every episode. And then for the first couple seasons, nary a green juice to be found. Oh. So they're starting to show up now. Happy to see her. Maybe because she wants to have a baby. She's trying to be extra healthy. Maybe. Maybe. Or or the LA is really just seeping into her. Yeah. Yeah. I no longer can bring myself to spend like 16 bucks for a green juice what it is now. I feel like when they started to be popular, it was like three or four dollars, like comparable, like a little bit more than getting a Diet Coke. But now it's just, it's out of hand. On to Val Woodward, who is our only patient for this episode. I really liked what she said as like a motto, I want to say, don't borrow trouble, 
basically like, don't worry about what you're not sure of yet. Oh. I really liked that. It was like the thing with her and her husband, what they said to each other, like the, the test isn't back yet. Don't worry about it. D- yeah. Don't borrow trouble. Don't worry about the worst case scenario until you're sure that's what it is. I would like to live my life more like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> we could try that. Yeah. But usually it is the worst <laughs> case. <laughs> hey, it could be it could always it could always be worse. Yeah. What's your first note about Val? That she uh, was so certain that she was choosing her baby even if it kills her. She was hit with some horrible news and she seemed uh to still be kind of clear-headed in her beliefs uh despite what other people and different doctors were saying to her in that moment she was so certain of what she wanted to do um I didn't even really see her go into shock too much um and, and I, that just really struck me. She seemed like someone, I think already from that, we could tell she's someone who just kind of sticks to her beliefs. Cool under pressure. Yeah. 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 Um, and also, I first noticed, um, you know, Addison was just saying, deliver now. And Sam really was of uh, the opposite belief um, and was more concerned with the baby uh, than I think Val in that moment. And so it also, of course, was interesting. And I'm sure that's why they wrote the case this way in this episode. But, you know, having that next to the argument that as Addison and Sam are having all episode about whether they should have a baby or break and up. they've been having for, like, every time we've seen them for a couple episodes. Yeah. And I also thought, I don't know if there's much meaning in this, but Addison in the personal life conversation was so focused on having a baby. Um, But then in this conversation with Val was more focused on Val and Sam was more focused on the baby. Interesting. Um, So it was almost flipped. But for Addison, Val is her patient. So I think she she was really focused on, well, I think we can save both Mm -hmm. rather than well, maybe we can only save one, so let's just save the baby. She, I think, really wanted to save, not that Sam didn't want to save both, but she felt more confident that they could do that than Sam did. Yeah, I have a note in miscellaneous that I'll just move to up here is that a lot of times I don't believe with her personal choices. I think a lot of times Addison doesn't make the right choices for her personal life, but professionally, like 99% of the time I'm going to side with Addison. Yeah, she seems to be a strong patient advocate. Yeah, yeah, and she knows her stuff. Mm-hmm. She, like, if I was on the fence about a decision medically and I had her as my doctor, I would go with her suggestion. Mm-hmm. You know, because she's a real doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia is right, though. I thought it was funny that Amelia was just, like, in the cafeteria But she's right that Val gets to choose for herself. She isn't impaired or quote unquote too sick to think for herself in some like late stage pain way. She's very much able to decide for herself. Yeah. And I thought Amelia throughout this episode was interesting. She kind of played kind of devil's advocate for both their patient case and the the personal argument they were having about the ultimatum with having a baby. And I thought it was interesting that Amelia 
pointed out that Addison was basically abdicating the decision by forcing an ultimatum on Sam mm-hmm. and forcing him to decide. Uh-huh. But then when Amelia went to talk to Sam, she she was talking about how Addison was clear on what she wanted and Sam was the one who didn't know. And that since he still didn't know, maybe that was the answer. And I thought, is she contradicting herself or is this her way of getting them to focus on what they want rather than what the other person wants? It, it was just interesting because at first, you know, she tells Addison, oh, you, you can't decide. You're making him. And then she goes to Sam and says, well, Addison has decided. You haven't. So it was just kind of weird to me. Interesting. I, I didn't think of it that way. I, I didn't see it that way. But yeah. I, huh. She does. She tends to play the little sister role in all things Addison at this point in her character development. When she's the doctor, she's the doctor. Mm-hmm. But when she doesn't have a case, like this week, she plays like the little sister, like the confidant, but also like maybe not making the best decisions, like the wisest decisions, I should say. Yeah. I also, she's Derek's sister, right? Yes. So that's just kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that they're like live together and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> The way that I look at it as not weird, besides the fact that, like, it's conditioned by all of these shows that they've been into that, like, it's totally fine, Uh is that Addison and Derek started dating when Amelia was very young. Like, like, younger than middle school. Oh, so Addison was always kind of, like, a big sister. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, they didn't meet as adults. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it is not as weird. But I do see how that could from a semi outsider's perspective seem a, a tad a tad odd. Yeah. Yeah. When Val turned fluorescent pink. That was scary. That was terrible. She was like pink and purple and it was very scary, but like great job by the makeup team, I guess, unless they were like, Hold your breath for a couple seconds, let's see what happens. Because <laughs> I don't know the way it went. <laughs> but that was a really interesting color. It was. And then also that seemed the stress of the conversation with Addison triggered it. Yeah. And then it seemed like she recovered. And then Addison just like went right back into that trigger <laughs> again immediately. And, and, and I was like, Whoa, I, I mean, she just turned bright pink the last time you did that. Yeah. And she still was like flushed. flushed. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, this seems dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I was, again, a little bit confused by the timeline of all of this because they met in the morning in the reception area, and then she's halfway to death's door turning pink in the afternoon because Addison's still wearing the same dress, and she wears oh, two dresses this episode. I didn't we'll, notice that. We'll get to the lime green one in a minute. Oh, yeah, that was an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> but she's wearing this this dress throughout the Val storyline. Oh, until... the one with the like kind of sheer top. Did that look familiar to you? Kind of, but why? Okay, I don't know if you've seen it, but Christina wears that to Callie and Arizona's wedding in Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Which is like three years after this? Maybe less. Well, no, less. Oh my that is a lie. It's like one year after this. So maybe they're sharing closets. 
Yeah, or or the uh, costumes department was just going for sustainability. <laughs> we love that. We yeah, love to see love it. Love to see it, especially in 2011. Yeah, big fan, big fan. But yeah, it's the same dress that Christina wore to Callie and Arizona's wedding. I actually already have a picture set for Instagram. I'll pull it up for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. She added a belt. She did. Yeah, Christina added a belt and a dark lip. I like the lip. Mm-hmm probably going to come down the same on this but I, I really don't think that Addison should be pushing Val to disclose her abortion to her husband especially right now because she shouldn't be aggravated medically as you said and it seems to really push her over the edge it also like has no standing on the current situation yeah that made me really uncomfortable I guess Addison felt like it did because she thought that Val was willing to die to kind of make amends to her husband for kind of lying to him or concealing this from him years ago. And so I guess from Addison's perspective, it was important to keeping Val alive. But at the same time, what I've really noticed from the episodes I've watched of this show is that people really struggle with personal boundaries (laughs) (laughs) between doctors, between doctors and patients. I mean, it's really blurry. And she, she got so involved in their marriage And I guess from her perspective, she thought it was part of the patient care, but it made me really uncomfortable. And especially to force Val to disclose that in that moment while they were also in the room. Didn't give them the privacy, didn't give her the option to choose the time, didn't wait longer since she just turned fluorescent pink. No, yeah, she's not not stable. You know... And so to to not only force your way into that, but then to force the moment seemed really inappropriate to me. Now, in the end, did it did it work out? And I mean, kind of with a lot of coaxing, I guess, but it wasn't necessary for that time. Like, sure, like, be honest. It really bothered me because at first they were almost trying to in my opinion, make it seem like it had something to do with her current situation, whether it be like the trouble getting pregnant, staying pregnant, or like the the lymphoma. Didn't it seem to you like they were trying to be like, this had some, like, this happened and now this happened and there is like a connection when there's not? Yeah, and I think Addison made a lot of assumptions about their marriage, about why Val wanted this baby so much about so many things that she can't possibly know. Yeah. And then to force it in, in such um, a stressful, upsetting time. Yeah. I just didn't think it was appropriate. And she's not a therapist. She's not a couples counselor. She's not, you know, and, and it just made me really uncomfortable to watch that. And I felt for both Val and her husband, uh, Gary, I think was his name. Because they were forced into that conversation. On an already really difficult day. Uh, And a difficult moment. And a lot of traumatic things are happening that aren't being processed in the moment. And to not give them a chance to have that in their own time. I don't know. I, I just saw her forcing her way into their marriage. And at the end of the day, like Amelia said, Val is fully capable of making her own decisions about her body and her baby. And it felt like Addison, because she didn't agree with it, felt that it was her right to impact them in this way. Yeah. And and it just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it wasn't great. 
wasn't great. Anything else for Val? It seems like at the end it worked out yeah. for them. I mean, we don't know if she survives or anything like that, but I think they made it seem like it was kind of going to be a happy ending for them. Mm-hmm. So I hope that is what happened. On to Katie Kent. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm really, really happy for this actress that she got to be on this show so many times in so many different ways. Love that paycheck for her. This storyline, like, I knew it was coming, (laughs) obviously. I remember when Melody, when she was musing, it's not Melody's muses. Oh, it was Melody's melodies. When Melody was melodying, when she was like, I wonder if any of the patients will be mad about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And that's where we are now. About the book? Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting choice. Yeah. And I think I asked you when we were watching it, why do people want to read her book? Was she like a well-known therapist? And yeah. I miss that. Like, I mean, people write memoirs and you don't have to be famous to do that. And, and, you know, they become bestsellers, things like that. But I was just curious why she felt compelled to write the book and why people felt compelled to read it. Why she felt compelled to write it, she wanted to help people. That's what she said. What I say is that she just needs everybody to know everything that's going on with her because she needs to know everything that's going on with everyone else. So therefore, everybody's interested in what's going on with her. Mm. That's how I look at it. But I, she's not famous. She might be like a little bit locally renowned, but like only if you know, like if you know, you know. I think it's the true crime aspect of it that people are interested in. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, That's probably it. She is very self-absorbed. So not that writing a memoir is being self-absorbed, but I can see in her situation. The way that she wrote it. Yeah. That that might be part of it. Yes. But what happened to her is horrifying. Yes. Yes. When Cooper says, she's your attacker, you owe her nothing, I agree. But Sheldon does not. Yeah, that was interesting. But... Given I I didn't under, I didn't know really going in the backstory about the Marla thing and they had already had this conflict and it seemed like he really saw some flawed logic and and different things with Violet and I don't think he ever denied that she was a victim and went through something horrific but also going through something horrific doesn't absolve you from any of your like from your actions yeah at the same time they're all peers in that office but Sheldon and Violet are in the same specialty so yes he gets things in a way that I don't know someone else maybe wouldn't like you're disclosing a physical diagnosis is a little bit different than disclosing a mental diagnosis yeah um and so and, and I think he was looking out for Violet by saying, you may have accidentally messed up or you may have breached the confidentiality because I don't think he was doing that to attack her. I think he was doing that to help her to say, take this seriously. This may be a credible lawsuit. I'm looking out for you by not jumping on the bandwagon and saying you can do no wrong. You may not have meant to do wrong, but you may have still messed up and I'm going to tell you to make sure you're protected. Yeah. Yeah. He's not coming at it from a demeaning way or a belittling way. He's coming at it from professional responsibility. I care about you professionally and maybe personally way. 
the two things that I really like couldn't get from A to B on here is number one, she had every single person in that office read this before it was published. So did none of them see this problem? I would have foreseen that problem and I'm not even there. I would have thought Sheldon would have seen that. Yeah. Although, I mean, he's probably looking at it from the standpoint of like, oh, I am in this book as a potential father of a child. So he was probably looking at it in, in a different way, but also I can't believe she, she or her publisher or her editor or anybody along this line didn't have a lawyer to figure it out. And why are they calling their lawyer? Why is it not the, the publisher? Yeah. There, there are some missing links in all of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause her publisher would have wanted to make sure they were, they were be covered. On, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think of that, mm-hmm. but I, I did not, see the the episode when she was attacked by Katie I knew about it it's not up your alley I didn't see it I didn't watch it so while I knew the backstory um I hadn't really watched it myself so um it I did have a bit of an outsider's perspective watching this episode and though I haven't seen all the seasons of private practice what always stands out to me about Violet is what um kind of Cooper was saying to Pete when they were arguing about the fact that she had gone to see Katie, which is she, she does what she does. She does what she wants and she, you know, that can play in her favor sometimes, but she can be really reckless and really putting herself in the center of the story. And, and to me, doesn't seem to have a a really great ability to put herself in other people's shoes. Yeah. um, Or see how it could impact like her husband. The fact that she was putting herself in danger by, showing up against like the whole restraining order thing to Katie's place of work and surprising her. And I think Violet feels like Katie can't be dangerous anymore because she was my patient and I was helping her. And this, this episode happened, but then she went to go get more help. It's not hopeless. Like I do still care. She's fixable. I was helping her. I think it's almost was, um, it was not so much about Katie. It was about feeling like, she didn't mess up or that she didn't mess up the care for her patient, even though she was so violently attacked and that's not her fault that Mm -hmm. she was violently attacked, but she seems to really want to be able to fix everyone and fix everything. But at the same time, she can't obviously be objective in the situation because she's also the victim. Yeah. And so she's trying to play like multiple roles in this of both the doctor and the victim and it doesn't work and she can't get herself out of that space it seems yeah and I think you also touched on something really integral to Pete and Violet's relationship is that Pete doesn't get that about Violet and they're married Mm -hmm. and Pete is always wanting to protect her and I really I loved that in this episode I love when Pete tries to protect Violet and when Violet tries to protect Pete like that relationship that's part of their relationship is very symbiotic, but there's a lot of it, a lot of their relationship that they just don't understand each other. They don't communicate. I don't really get why they're together. Cooper always seems to understand her better to me than Pete oh, does. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I just can't get over the fact that she showed up at Katie's job that diner looked good, though. I feel like it has a really good brunch, and I kind of want to go. Yeah. It also gave me um, a weird combination of vibes from, like, the diner from 
Riverdale, but also the diner from uh, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, and it also a little bit looked like an old Howard Johnson's. Yeah. Yeah, or like a Friendly's. I don't know. I can just tell their hash browns are going to be so good. Yeah. Like their omelet. Oh, I would get I would get a little um, Florentine omelet there anytime. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but But then also I can't get over the fact that Violet's trying to reason with Katie about why she shouldn't be doing this. And, I, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this, this, this situation is beyond yeah. reasoning. Yeah. Like, I I just, and especially surprising, they, what I've noticed in private practice is they love surprising people at work <laughs> with other people and personal problems. And no notice. And no notice. Yes. Showing up to your work, putting you through trauma. I mean, it happened with... Uh, with Charlotte this episode, too, with her ex-husband. And it's just like, let's just throw all these chaotic... Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen people just, like, randomly show up at offices no, before. No, <laughs> So it was uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that happened a lot this episode. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of feel like Katie doesn't have a case because... If it can all be so easily figured out via, like, Google or local news, then if Violet did her due diligence of, like, changing the name, not having, like, she had a bob and very distinct bangs. Like, if she didn't physically describe her in a way that is, like, so obvious that this is who this is, like, you know who this, like, it it is public knowledge both in media and in court documents, Mm-hmm. So it's not like any NDAs were signed. It's not like they couldn't figure it out with a simple Google. And I mean, we've kind of talked about this. I don't think you were, I think it was me and Melissa. But like, if you've committed a crime like this, your right to anonymity surrounding the crime maybe isn't there. Well, and the fact that she she's saying, I can't get a clean start. I can't heal. Like, she lost a man over the... Bo- well, oh, I'm boo-hoo. sorry. If you have not told that man this very serious thing from your past, you are not in a, relationship a, a real honest relationship. Yeah. Because he should know that. And I'm sure also part of the reason of him running the opposite direction... To I mean, obviously, the violence of it all. Yeah. But the fact that she hid it. Yeah. And and lied, basically, about who she was or, or what she went through. And I'm not saying that people don't deserve to have second chances. But when you've committed an extremely violent offense and you Personal. try and you and you hide that from people um, who may or may not be committing their lives to you, that's. That's not right. No. <laughs> when Cooper and Violet are in the car, and Violet's getting ready to go in, and Violet says, am I completely crazy for doing this? And Cooper just looks at her and says, do you really want me to answer that? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I laughed. I laughed me a good little laugh. Yeah. 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 But then I guess this is left also a little bit unresolved because they said that Katie was dropping the lawsuit, but that her attorneys um, were launching a complaint with the medical board to see if Violet's license should be suspended. Yeah. And also, why did Pete know before Violet did? And why was he telling her? Story. Yeah. 
I was like, why? I mean, I guess it's spousal I'm just like, wouldn't they have called Violet? (laughs) I guess they would have called Violet, but I guess if the lawyer got Pete on the phone, then the lawyer would be like, oh, it's your spouse. Like, you can know about this anyway. Yeah. But I guess the story is not over. Yeah. I was also extremely shocked that Katie was only in jail for 18 months. Also, that it has been 18 months since... I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Okay. I was shocked that she was only in jail for 18 months. And I was also shocked that it has only been six months since the end of season three. Because that was Lucas's first birthday. And we just assumed that it was going to be a year at the end of season four. But I guess it's not. Although, I guess we could have another six months in the next three episodes. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. 18 months just does not seem like a lot. And especially for Violet to then come face to face with Katie again. And that she wasn't notified. And all of I mean, that is not enough time. Yeah. The audacity of Katie to show up at the office. That was scary. I, I didn't I like gasp. You did. I like jumped. I was so scared. <laughs> I, I I did a little giggle because <laughs> I knew it wasn't that serious. <laughs> I got really scared for a second. <laughs> well, because they did the same thing as they did for the. Well, you didn't you didn't watch it, but um, Katie comes to the door when before she attacks Violet. She comes to the door and she like looks so scary. And you, like you can tell she has malice in her heart, and then. You have Katie at the door and then saying something like, hi, Dr. Turner. And then it cuts to commercial. And then the same thing happened here and it was dark. Yeah, I'm sure it was intentional. Intentional. Well, it worked. It freaked me out. It worked. (laughs) We love it. We love it. Again, not trying to say that Violet was not the victim of a violent and senseless and terrible crime. She often forgets, I think, or she... It didn't happen in a bubble. Like, it happened to her, and we can't and shouldn't take that away from her. Mm -hmm. But other people were affected, specifically her son and Pete, who found her, Pete and Naomi, who found her. Mm -hmm. Like, it happened to her, and she was the one, obviously, in mortal danger, and it was horrific, and there's no way around that. But I think that she forgets that she was not the only one involved. I think that's how she moves through the world in general. Um, Like her fight with uh, Sheldon about Marla. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything is... Black and white. I've been wronged, so you're on my side, and blah, blah, blah. And she couldn't see, like, oh, there's all these women. Well, maybe Marla is the woman for Sheldon. Yeah. And and she can't grasp that. Now, again, she's the, the victim of a horrible thing here, but just in the other episodes I've seen, that tends to be her pattern in life Mm -hmm. that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that that's how she reacted in this situation. But um, yeah, there were a lot of people impacted. Yes. And now with the book, even more. Yeah. When Sheldon said to Violet, maybe the one thing we can agree on is that we shouldn't be friends. I got so sad. That was sad. And they turned it around by the end of the episode, but it was rough there for, for an act or so. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. You could see both sides of that um I could see why Violet felt betrayed but I could also see why Sheldon felt like this is my life why are you forcing this on me of course I support you exactly so yeah it was so sad Mm -hmm. when Pete came to Cooper to like yell at him for taking Violet to see Katie I feel like he went for a fight 
Like, I feel like he went to yell at Hooper. Pete seems like he fights a lot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, he seems to be a combative person. So, yeah, I got that impression, too. So, I mean, I'm glad he didn't take it out on Violet, but Cooper had such a calm head in that situation. And, again, it's like, I'm not saying that Cooper and Violet should be together because I'm not – I don't think that. But Pete doesn't understand Violet in the way that Cooper does. No, and I think he takes away Violet's own agency from her a lot in an attempt to protect her. And what Cooper said was right. Like, she was going to go regardless, so I might as well have taken her to help make sure she's safe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because you can't control her, and you shouldn't control her. You know, she is going to do what she's going to do. I'm not saying she should have gone to see Katie. I don't. I think that was a terrible idea. <laughs> but Pete does, I think, tend to do that. Yeah, yeah. Why can Cooper have such a clear head for this situation and not with the Charlotte and Billy situation? That was messy. Yeah, we'll get there in just a second. Do you have any more notes for Katie? I think that was, um, I think that was about it. Um, just the one other thing that she said that, stuck out to me is that it, Katie made the argument about the book saying to Violet, like, it's not just your past, it's our past. Oh, that made me mad. made me mad because it's like, well, you've... You forced, <laughs> forced the past the together. Past. Like, this was not something Violet opted into, and you can't take that experience away from her yeah. and say, oh, you can never talk about it because it's about both of us. No, you did this to her. So if she needs to talk about what happened to her... You don't own that experience. You don't co-own that experience. That was an action that you took. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to tell someone else, you know, she she's talking about how I'm supposed to heal. I'm trying to get a clean start. I'm this. Well, Violet's also trying to heal too. And I think Katie can't really see Violet as a person who needs to heal because she sees her as her therapist who's there to help her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though she's not her therapist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last note is, isn't Katie's photo at the front desk here? Like, how did you get back there? How did you get past the front desk? Is Violet the only one in the office? Like, there should be... If if I was violently attacked 18 months ago, I wouldn't be by myself in that office. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered, how did she even get up here? Yeah, yeah. Especially when they've had other attacks in the office. Why haven't they improved the security? Yeah, with the amount of it that Charlotte's was at um, the hospital. But yeah. Oh. But yeah. All right, on to Billy Douglas. I just really want to give props real quick to our under five friend here at the mechanics shop. He said his name tag says Billy. I loved that line delivery. Oh, that was funny. Because like, Char- Cooper was like, Where can I find Billy? And he was like, His name tag says Billy. <laughs> <laughs> That was really funny. Yeah. What's your first note? The really it was about when they were when um Charlotte and Cooper were arguing about the seating chart and things like that, which I have to say is a very difficult task. <laughs> you can never make everyone happy with that, so you just have to do your best. I know. I got um, just next to the bride of yours, so <laughs> I was fine with that. It's just it's so hard. So I empathize with them there. But when the the photo fell out or however that happened, I thought it was an interesting thing that Cooper just suddenly jumped to like, you still have feelings for him because she had a photo. And I don't think that necessarily means that. 
but it was clear that she didn't want to talk about it. And so there had to have been a reason for that and they should be able to talk about it. But again, I feel like this was someone like forcing their perspective on another person and on their experience. And he definitely went way out of line in this whole situation, though it did end up working out in the end, kind of, but he went way out of line with that. And I thought it was kind of weird that he went to Sheldon and was like, hey, this is what happened. And Sheldon instantly says, oh, it's because she thinks it's her fault she that he cheated. There could be any number of reasons why <laughs> she had that photo. And the fact that it's, oh, she's blaming herself for him cheating because she's not good enough or whatever. I I don't know. That kind of really bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. And how quick the like diagnosis was about it, about the situation. And um, I think it's just assuming a lot. And there's a lot of reasons she could still be mad. There's a lot of reasons she could have that photo. And it just seemed, I just didn't love the idea of like, oh, it's because she thinks she wasn't like, good enough yeah yeah I didn't like that that's fair that's very fair I was really mad that Cooper brought him to the office I was yeah. like more mad that Cooper brought Billy to the office than I was that Violet went to go see Katie at work and like I don't know what that says about me but I was really mad about that he should have never done that but also can you do it like on Saturday in your house like wait a <laughs> wait a few days like meet each other for coffee go to the park <laughs> yeah literally anything Just a directing note, I want to give props to Karen Gaviola because that scene between Billy and Charlotte was incredible. The way that Billy doesn't sit down in Charlotte's office and Charlotte's seated comfortably leaning back, but her arms are still crossed and she's trying to show like, this is my area, I'm in control, but she's so uncomfortable. They're both so uncomfortable and him standing up and her sitting down, it was just beautifully directed, trying to be in her element. They're both so uncomfortable. I loved that. And then at the end when Billy goes, well, don't you think you got it right this time? And he, him approving of Cooper, not that we needed his approval in any way, but it just made me feel happy. Yeah. It was good closure for everyone. It was a messy journey there. (laughs) Sure was. And a lot of overstepping of people's boundaries. But um, I am glad that they all were able to get, I guess, the closure they needed. Yeah. On to Addisam. Very awkward elevator ride. Yeah. <laughs> I was truly shook at the drop diamond earrings that Addison was wearing for half the episode when she was wearing the Christina wedding guest outfit. It had like three giant diamond drop downs. It, I could tell that they were like more than a year's rent for me. <laughs> and like I was just like why are you wearing these in the office why this is gala attire them. I feel like I need to look yeah it's okay we can watch again never mm-hmm. mad about watching again <laughs> <laughs> that whole um argument between them was so uncomfortable and I saw where they both were coming from but to me ultimatums are not the way there because no. Having a baby isn't a decision you can just, like, take back. Yeah. You can't be like, well, let's just see what it's like. We can always, (laughs) like, it's a permanent. It's not a pink color. It's a lifelong commitment. It's a big deal. And so to kind of force someone into it um, and have it be something that they may regret or not be ready for, 
I don't think is right, but I also understood her urgency and why she was at the point in her life of like, I need to do this for me. I want it to be with you, but if not, like you got to let me know. Yeah. I just think it, it could have been handled more maturely than an ultimatum. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little bit of a realization today after who knows how many times watching this show is that I feel like the heart of the whole argument between them right now is that Addison is mad at her own body and her own biology and really her own like specialty and what she's dedicated her life to and how she can't do that herself. And it has nothing to do with Sam. And that's the problem is that he sees it. If they were madly in love and with the, with each other, maybe he would be okay with having a baby with her, even though he thinks he's already done it and he doesn't need to do it again. They're just, they're not right for each other, especially right now. And Addison, if she were with Pete right now, it would be the same thing. If she were with Noah right now, it would be the same thing. It's not sure. I I do believe that she loves Sam, but she wants a baby more than she loves Sam. And she wants a baby more than she loved Pete, if she loved Pete. And she, more than Noah and she and 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 Rory's dad cop like that is Christopher was in it. Oh, <laughs> we call him cop dad. Oh. <laughs> Rory's cop dad. I mean, literally anyone she was with at this moment, she would want to have a baby with now. And I will scream this from the rooftops to whoever needs to hear it. If Mark Sloan could have come to private practice instead of not making it out of season nine, however you look at it, I don't think I can say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But Mark, if this were Mark and not Sam, they would figure it out. I just think, yeah, Addison and Sam, in the episodes I've seen, they just never seem to be on the same page. Yeah, no. And... I've just never seen them, like, in sync, basically. And it really just, I, it's just so not fair that, like, as a woman, you're kind of stuck with this biological situation. Whereas, like, you know, for Sam, if he he ever decided down the line, he could do it. Yeah. And, And that's not a reality for her. Now, with surrogacy and different things and the progression of science, there's, like, more ways that that can be possible for women at different points in life but there is a reality there and her frustration is real and the monologue was extremely great it yeah was really good I felt like their scene at the end was one of the best scenes I'd seen between the two of them because they were actually communicating yeah. um, and I thought that she explained it really well mm-hmm. I had a hard time focusing on what they were saying because I was really thrown by what I think was a green screen in the lighting situation <laughs> because I was, I'm no expert in it, but it just didn't seem real to me. And so if you can clock it, we've got an issue. And, and also she was mixing like the lime green and the black again with that like work and workout outfit and so I was just like really distracted by the costumes and the scenery and I was really trying to focus like on their conversation but there was just I kept focusing on how they were shining the light on their faces to make it seem like they had that reddish sunlight on them but it looked to me just like colored light bulbs and they almost had like halos around their heads which didn't help with the green screen yeah it just didn't look like how you would look in golden hour or during a sunset 
I think they it was just overkill and that's why it seemed really really not real to me mm-hmm. so yeah that was interesting choices okay okay yeah at the beginning we covered this at the very very beginning but Addison saying to Amelia I don't I don't want to have to choose between baby and Sam and Amelia said that's why you're making him do it mm-hmm. just putting that again putting that out there again it sounds like they broke up it does it does sound like they broke up and I wonder how real that is and I just to me they don't they don't like I said they don't seem like they're kind of meant to be together they seem like they enjoy each other's company but they never seem to be on the same page and I feel like with your like life partner you need to be on the same page especially with like the, the big things like this in life so I don't know I just hope that they both find what they're looking for yeah I think that they would have been better off as flirty friends for life instead of alienating Naomi the way that they did and yeah yeah and it really um the part of Addison's kind of monologue that she was going through about how she kept waiting for the right time to have the baby because she wanted the right situation the right guy the right um point in her career and there's never really like a a a perfect time but I think a lot of people can empathize with that and um just kind of goes back to what I was saying before where like the realities of just the biological situation for for her it it is really not fair Mm -hmm. and it and there's something you can really do to change that other than you know the other advances in science you know, there's more options now than people used to have, but it's just sad. It just made me really sad because she was trying to plan and make all the right decisions. And now she's at this point and she feels like what she's saying, like, how can I reach this point? And I'm in my forties and I'm, you know, and, and now it's, and now it's like, Oh, I missed it. Yeah. It's just made me sad for her. And I hope she, I hope she, things work out for her the way she wants them to. I can't wait to hear your muses later. <laughs> Onto miscellaneous. I think we both reacted when Addison said to Amelia, TikTok, <laughs> and she meant it like a clock, a like clock. her biological clock. And it's just so funny to me how much pop culture changes and how quickly it does. Because back then we all would have heard TikTok, and obviously she's talking about a clock. Yeah. We never even knew what TikTok was when this aired. And now you hear that and you just think of the app yeah and 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 so it, it seemed so weird to hear her say tiktok we we're like what <laughs> <laughs> i also viscerally reacted to sheldon saying that he was in love with marla they've met like twice that's an intense uh i think he surprised himself when he said it it seemed like it could uh, be yeah but i don't know some people when they know they know and i guess maybe love at first sight but um yeah I didn't see the episodes with Marla so I don't know he's willing to fight for her I guess yeah another visceral reaction I had was at 27 minutes and 35 seconds only second to Cooper's red sweater is the lime green dress that Addison was wearing oh not in a good way I'm really glad that we only saw it for like a minute I really I really want to know why that was in the episode it like, she's in the hospital with sick people. Isn't that dress going to make people nauseous? Yeah, it was, like, black with green and yellow, like, like all swirled. warped and swirling together. And it, it just 
kind of made my head hurt. And I, I don't know. I think it was wearing her a yeah. little bit yeah. because that's just like all I saw. Yeah. And I've seen her dressed better. Exactly. And especially coming off of the simple elegance of the first ep- dress in the episode. Yeah. Very different vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2939, Violet's wearing this super, super loud, but somehow neutral dress. It's like a wrap dress. It's not butterflies. It's like leaves, I think. It's a similar pattern to her book launch book. She has this necklace with a giant green pendant. It was very Violet. I haven't seen her do those like little boho inspired things much recently. What's your miscellaneous kiss? I think I've uh, kind of talked about them throughout. The It was the TikTok. It was, why does Addison live with her ex-sister-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> Seems awkward. People have no boundaries on this show, which is part of, I'm sure, what makes it entertaining, but yeah. interesting. Yeah. And yeah, that, that green screen and lighting for that sunset on the beach conversation just was a lot for me yeah was it supposed to be like a metaphor or something like the sun setting on their relationship like I don't know but it just to just feel like it was not necessary like just put them in a room on a set somewhere and that's fine yeah I liked how they like ran into each other and didn't like plan to have this conversation I also really liked that it wasn't at work because like (laughs) professional versus personal um maybe that's why they could talk about it better that's true that's true yeah it probably was a metaphor for sundown on the relationship my last miscellaneous is I feel like there was more of like a Vaseline on the lens filter on this episode than (laughs) usual did you see that I could see that yeah like a very season one of drag race not as profound but it was very like soft focus dreamy you know Mm-hmm. oh I did have one last miscellaneous yeah so when Violet apologized to Sheldon and kind of gave her blessing about Marla she actually kind of used a line that Katie said to her when Katie I thought was gonna attack her and then didn't uh-huh. kind of apologize which is that something about taking out her problems on him and I just thought that was interesting that she used yeah, a line that Katie said to her yeah. in, in her kind of apology to Sheldon. Interesting. Yeah, I would not have you on a, a violent uh, attack episode. Don't worry. Yeah, it's not, not for me. <laughs> not for me. So Sam's style this week is Charlotte's gray, purplish tank top turtleneck. Try to say that five times fast. Tank top turtleneck. I haven't seen a sleeveless tank top in real life since like this time frame. Have you seen like a sleeveless turtleneck? Um, I think just very recently I have, but not very prevalently. Okay. Okay. And between that sleeveless set and the sleeveless black little like wrap shirt that she wore with the blue necklace it kind of made me feel like they're having Charlotte replace the Naomi's arms that we were always being like, oh my God, Naomi's arms look so good. <laughs> now that Naomi hasn't been on for a while. I still haven't seen Naomi. <laughs> oh, you, wow. 
Yeah. Caitlin, who's our guest star spotlight? Our guest star spotlight is the mechanic who pointed Cooper to Billy Douglas when he went to see him for the first time. The mechanic's name is Jairus Poindexter. He was born on December 22nd, 1950 in L.A. Uh, he's most known for uh, roles with Aquila and the Bee and Everybody Hates Chris, but you also may recognize him from literally everything. He's in so um, much. He's in so many iconic shows going back decades. So I would say just take a look at his IMDb if you think he looks familiar to you because guarantee you've seen him in a lot. Read off some favorites. <laughs> uh, some favorites. Uh, let's see. Um, this is us. In this is us. Fresh off the boat. American Crime Story. Scandal. How to Get Away with Murder. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Castle. Grays. The Mindy Project. New Girl. And then let's he was in Parks and Rec, Private Practice, obviously. Let's scroll, like, way back. He NYPD Blue. Seinfeld. Let's see. Matlock. China Beach. Yeah. 227. The Color Purple. I mean, he's been in everything. So, what a great career. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much. Thank no you. wonder he had such a great line reading. Yeah. Yeah. We have some actually really interesting trivia for this episode, not that we don't normally, but just extra. So this episode scored 6.68 million viewers. Not great, but fine. This episode's title probably originated from the popular line from the 1967 movie Cool Hand Luke. I don't know why like they aren't sure about that, but I just figured I'd share it with all of our dear listeners here. <laughs> the dress that Addison wears in the beginning of this episode is the same one that Christina wears later attending Callie and Arizona's wedding. Chandra West, who plays Val Woodward, is the wife of Mark Tinker, a director and producer of Private Practice. We mention him often. In the beginning of the episode, Addison's colleagues welcome her back from her trip to Seattle. The trip refers to the previous set of Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice episodes, both of which aired March 31st, 2011. I did the same thing last time. I said March 31st, March 31st, 2011, <laughs> in which Addison is called to Seattle Grace to deliver and try to save Callie's baby, both of whose lives were threatened due to a severe accident. Upon being welcomed back to the practice, Addison's colleagues ask how the trip went. Addison's reply of, it ended on a high note, is a nod to the very special musical episode of Grey's Anatomy. This event contained several songs performed by the Grey's Anatomy cast. Wow. We have a goof in the scene. And this, I didn't write this. I know that they have a time stamp. Oh, I, I didn't even notice this. Yeah, I didn't have a time. I, they have a timestamp. I know that like I sometimes do timestamps, but I didn't do the timestamp. In the scene starting at 1010, when Violet and Pete are in Violet's office talking about the suit brought against Violet by Katie, Violet's hair changes. In the shot of Pete that are taken from behind Violet's shoulder, Violet has a ringlet of hair in front of her ear. In the shots of Violet from Pete's perspective, except when Violet first goes behind her desk, Violet's hair is back in a low ponytail with no hair falling forward. I love finding uh, errors in continuity. I, I, I love it. I, I didn't, didn't catch this. No, I didn't notice it at all. Can you tell me a little bit about Caitlin's knowledge? So uh, what 
do I think will happen next? Um, I think Charlotte and Cooper are on a more positive trajectory with their wedding planning. Um, so I hope that goes well for them. <laughs> I'm a drama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really, I really don't know what's going to happen with Addison and Sam, but I feel like they broke up and I, feel like maybe that was right because they're never on the same page but I really don't know um and then Violet I don't think she's gonna lose her medical license um okay but that may be a battle that they carry on through a few episodes and I want to believe that Val Woodward beats her cancer and that the baby survives and that they have a wonderful, happy life together. Me too. Me too. What do you think about uh, Sheldon, Violet, Marla? I didn't, um, I didn't really meet Marla, but Sheldon and Violet seem to be in a good place. And if Sheldon is that much in love, I hope it's reciprocated and I hope it's healthy. (laughs) Okay. I can't even think of any more questions because we didn't really learn anything about Amelia. She was very much like side character this episode. She just moved along conversations and perspectives. She didn't really have her own story. Yeah. Yeah. You still haven't met Naomi. No. (laughs) I can't believe that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe someday. All right. Ratings and MVPs. My MVP is Billy. For coming clean with Charlotte, telling his truth, and not being so put off by Cooper as he could have been, slash probably maybe I would have been as well. I know that we don't normally give it to guest stars, but I just thought that Billy, like, it took a lot of strength for Billy to do what he did, and I feel happy for him. And I feel happy for Charlotte, I think. Yeah, I think I have to agree. My MVP is Billy, and I I think... It showed that he does still care for her, and he was at a time where he wasn't sure he knew himself and didn't know how to navigate that situation, and obviously things could have been handled better with Charlotte, but it seems like he got to a healthier place, and then they got to a healthier place together, Mm -hmm. and I like that he kind of, not that she needed his approval, but I thought it was sweet at the end when you know, he kind of indicated that Cooper yeah. was the right choice. I loved that. I thought that was really nice. So I was glad to see that, you know, resolved for mm-hmm. everyone. And the fact that Billy kind of cared enough um, to try to amend, like, yeah. mend, uh, make amends for how it all went down. I agree. Would you like to do your rating first or do you want me to? I'll take a stab at it. Okay. So my rating is, like, if you're on the beach – for real, <laughs> at sunset, <laughs> and it's really beautiful, but the sun is also really glaring in your eyes, and it's that feeling of this is a gorgeous moment, and I'm enjoying watching this, but I am also very uncomfortable, and I wish I had a different, you know, perspective on this at the moment. <laughs> I like that. I think it applies to a lot of the things. Yeah, mine is. You're at a beachside restaurant and you order, let's say, the halibut. And it comes and it's not halibut, it's cod. But like nobody decided to tell you, the waiter didn't even know, like the chef just made the switch. They were like, oh, it's fine. They'll be fine. And I feel like that's what happened with Violet writing about Katie, thinking it would be fine. 
with Sheldon being with Marla, thinking, oh, Violet won't mind. A lot of assumptions. A lot of them. A lot of assumptions. And maybe the halibut or the cod is fine, but, like, you ordered halibut and you should have been told that it was not halibut. And maybe you're allergic to cod? Exactly. You could be allergic to cod. Moral of the story is don't assume. (laughs) And don't think that uh, everyone shares your outlook. And don't show up to people to people's work unannounced. Manners. Boundaries. Boundaries. There are none, but there should be. Yes. But then it would be less entertaining. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Anchor, or wherever you listen to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at KCB110 on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and sharing with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a member of our patron community at patreon.com slash podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 4, Episode 20. They are available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT!